Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Sitting across from me is one Charles W. Bryant. You might know and love him more as Chuckers or Chuck. Chuck Tran. Chuck Tran. Whatever. Uh, call, call me anything. Just call me. <laughs> you can call me anything. Just don't call me late to dinner. Ah, yeah. That's another good one. That's a redneck one, isn't it? No, nah, that's classic. It's not redneck. I've He's, always heard it from redneck. Oh, redneck. He's classic. <laughs> So, uh, wait, what accent was that? I have no idea. It's like that was international. Italo-Serbian. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting more and more refined, buddy. Um, Chuck, do you see the stopwatch I have? I do. I want you to stare at it, Chuck. I am. You're getting very drowsy, Chuck. I am. You're laying in a field surrounded by little rabbits. I love rabbits. Yes, the rabbits love you too, Chuck. Chuck. Yes. Keep your eyes open for me. Yes. Yes. Now, Chuck, I want you to bark like a dog when I snap my fingers. Ready? Woof. Very good, Chuck. That was excellent. Now, Chuck, I'm going to bring us out of this, this horribly uncomfortable segment. When I snap my fingers, I'm going to count to three, and when I snap my fingers, you're not going to remember any of this. Just me and the people listening to this. Well, now. Okay? Okay. One, two, three. Oh. Hey, Chuck. I'm not sure what happened, but I feel lame. <laughs> you feel you should feel lame. You have and, every and, reason to feel lame. So do I, Chuck. Embarrassed. I, I suddenly realized I just bestowed upon you like a really great gift that you can't remember what just happened. That was like the worst intro we ever did. It is. So just thank your lucky stars, Chuck. That is a great intro, Josh, because we are talking about hypnosis. Well, yeah. It would have been a little weird for Australian frogs. Right. Yeah, you know? That'd be weird. The cane toad. So uh, I'll go ahead and kickstart this, my friend, by saying that hypnosis has been around for a couple hundred years, and because it has to do with the brain and the mind, we still don't know a ton right. about how it actually works. I'd like to kickstart this one by saying that hypnosis is complete b- I don't agree, because I have been hypnotized, and we will get to that later. Really? <laughs> yeah. Have you really? Yeah, sort of. We'll, we'll talk about it. Okay. I'll, I'll walk you through my experience later. That would be great. Oh, you've been hypnotized twice now, you realize. You don't remember it, but... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I know you don't, but you've been hypnotized twice. So technically speaking, buddy, uh, a, tra- a trance-like state is what hypnosis is, and um, it's characterized by relaxation, uh, heightened imagination, and extreme suggestibility. <laughs> and they compare it to daydreaming. You're actually hyper-attentive. You're not asleep. You're hyper-attentive, and uh, they liken it sometimes to when you get lost, like in a movie, and nothing exists outside the movie, and you are emoting with the movie, and you kind of believe what's going on is real. Not only was it compared to in this article by poor Tom Harris um, to (laughs) watching a movie, uh, it was also compared to driving, reading, and mowing the lawn. Was it? I didn't notice those parts. Oh, you didn't see that? Oh, no, no. This is awesome illustration. That shows you all the things that you can kind of self-hypnotize with, and one of them is apparently riding a lawn tractor. Well, Milton Erickson is a expert in the 20th century of uh, with hypnotism. He says that this happens on a daily basis to everybody. Yeah, and I know what he's talking about. Like, um, I've definitely driven unimpaired sure. before and been like, 
how did I get here? Oh, I've done that too, man. And you realize you're f- so focused on a thought or a problem or mm-hmm. just something you're trying to work out that your body's just taken over. And you can do it in a stick shift too. It's not just with automatics. Yeah, you know what usually triggers my realization that that's happened is I realize some awful, awful song has been playing that I would <laughs> never listen to like one second of. Really? Like, uh, like Bad of the Bone is on. And it's like the Wait, end of whoa, Bad to the Bone. buddy. You mean George Thurgood and the T-Birds? <laughs> that song is awful. No, the T-Birds was different. George Thurgood Delaware and Destroyers. the Destroyers. Yeah. You didn't like Thurgood? Uh, he used to go to the Hollywood Y, by the way. The, we were on the same workout schedule for a little while. That's awesome. He Like his old bones on the treadmill, he looked like he was about to die. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. I'm sure he was. I hated Bad to the Bone, and I, I maintain that. Okay. So if you are listening to Bad to the Bone and you realize that it's like the end of the song, it's been on the whole time. Yeah. That's clear evidence that you've self-hypnotized. Exactly. And there's also a school of thought that all hypnosis is self-hypnosis. We'll get to those explanations later. Right. That definitely makes a little bit of sense to me. Or um, mesmerized, even. Do you want to talk about Mr. Mesmer? Yeah. Mes- the, the name actually comes from a guy named Franz, Franz Mesma, and he was an Austrian physician <laughs> in the 1700s. And he was one of the early proponents of hypnotism. He thought it was a mystical force, though. And it um, was early early on. It was a known as mesmerism, right? And then that just eventually became like mesmerizing, right? And, and Mesmer's whole bit was that it was animal magnetism flowing from the hypnotist, like sleep, right? Right, that right. guy, the old corny stuff. coming out of like his fingers and his eyes, like uh-huh. into the subject, right? And that hypnosis was uh, the hypnotist exerting his will on the hypnotized person, right? Um, and that was largely abandoned uh, in the 19th century, I think. Was it? Yeah. A Scottish surgeon named James Braid coined the term hypnosis. Right. And it came to be seen as a, a state that the person went into. Gotcha. Guided by a hypnotist, right? Gotcha. Well, that's definitely what happens. Um, when you're under hypnosis, it's always that you talk about the suggestibility. You, you think that that's reality. So... The example they gave in the the article, which I thought was appropriate for us, is if they say, like, your tongue is swollen, you believe that, and so you might start talking like you do (laughs) with a thick tongue. That's nice. (laughs) Or if they say you're drinking, like, a cold soda, you might, like, feel the bubbles or the cooling effect on your throat even. Right, right. Uh, And, Chuck, I think it's not that you think it's real. It's that you are... In, in much the same way it was likened to watching a movie or a TV show. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever watch a TV show and you, like, it cuts to commercial and all of a sudden you realize, like, you're really anxious, like you're about, you're in trouble for something and yeah, you yeah. don't understand why and you realize it's because you've attached to what's going on in the show right. so much that you're kind of empathizing with the characters? Yeah. I think it's like that. Like, the idea that a, a dramatic play mm-hmm. going on inside a little box right. can evoke emotions in you. Sure. That's what hypnosis is. It's, you don't think it's reality because you're not thinking. Yeah. You're well, well, we'll get into the brain of it. And I guess this is probably a good time to do it, right? The subconscious mind? Well, yeah. That's, this is this is really where I started to zone out. And really? I was like, well, how did I lose the last hour? <laughs> uh, the The school of thought for the most part is that Hypnotism is a way to get into your subconscious mind. You say hypnotism? Hypnotism. Okay. Hypnotism. Uh, taps into your subconscious, and if your conscious thoughts are the things that you have to consciously think of in a day, 
your subconscious is still like hard at work doing all the things like you don't think I'm going to get in my car and pick up my key to insert it in. You just, you know, your subconscious knows how to do all that. Right. Um, Harris used the the example of like losing your keys, right? Right. You're sitting there in, in your conscious mind, I guess, in this respect. And I have to put this claim around. I, I don't think conscious and subconscious concepts will be around for much longer but you think i don't think so right um but from the from the viewpoint of psychology your conscious mind is what's what realizes that you are missing your car keys and all the ramifications of not being able to find your car keys like you're going to be late to work and this is going to be a problem and where did you leave it last and all that and your subconscious mind are all of the different mechanisms Mm -hmm. or it's governing all the different mechanisms bringing them together so that you can have these thoughts worries and access memories most importantly so that you can remember the last place you put them right so what seems to you like a sudden flash of insight like there's the car keys that that was a, a, a series of machinations by the subconscious mind gotcha. that brought you to your conscious mind to that point. Wow. Well, that's very pertinent here because uh, <laughs> psychiatrists think that the the deep relaxation, uh, the relaxed state, relaxed. <laughs> Did I just say that? I kind of like that. The relaxed yeah. state that you get lofty. into it is um, allows the the psychiatrist or the hypnotist to. Tap into that subconscious because of the state that you're in. Tap that subconscious. Tap it. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a little bit to that too, right? Uh, there could be, but um, we should probably say, Chuck, before we get into that, that um, what the subconscious mind is responsible for, some of the big things, and that, that this is what. Right. Right. You've got the sensation, uh, bodily sensations. Right. Memories. Taste, smell, emotions, all that stuff. Uh-huh. Right? Um, and with memories especially, if you're getting in there and you're, you're going directly to the source where these things are stored, mm-hmm. retrieved, and experienced, right? Yeah. Then you have a lot of responsibility, if this is actually real, right? Um, by to, to not manipulate these, the person in this state. Yeah, absolutely. Because apparently you're dealing directly with the subconscious. So with the talking about repressed memories... Specifically, it's easy to create false memories yeah. inadvertently. Yeah. So you definitely have to be really careful. But yes, you are right that there is some um, evidence, there's some scientific evidence that there's something going on here when people are in a hypnotic state, right? Well, yeah, the conscious mind is the inhibitive component of your body. So it's it's the one that's like putting on the brakes for things. And the subconscious is the more impulsive and imaginative one. So it makes sense that you see those stupid hypnosis shows Mm-hmm. Live on stage, yeah. Where adults are like barking like dogs and uh, walking around like chickens and yeah. stuff. They're I, still there. I was in Vegas a couple of weeks back, and they have so billboards. For People them. love that stuff, though. Yeah, um, I'm just not one of them. But that does sort of make sense that if they're tapping into into the subconscious and leaving the conscious mind out of it, then that's why they're uninhibited and feel free to do all those stupid things. Right. So there is something to that in theory, just by looking at it. Right, and there, there is. Um, I guess people have slapped people on into EEG machines, given them uh, electroencephalography scans. Yeah, to see what's actually going on in the brain. Right, and there is something like there's no there's no change bodily aside from. And Tom Harris did a good job making this point. Mm-hmm. People are relaxed, right? Sure. 
but that's actually from the suggested relaxation. That's not from the state of hypnosis itself. So right? like your heart rate might slow down and stuff, yes. but it's not because you're hypnotized. It's just because you're chill. Exactly. Okay. Um, but with the, with the brain scans, remember? I can't remember what we were talking about. Sleepwalking, I think. We yeah, we're talking so. about brain waves, right? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, we were. And the the low frequency waves associated with deep sleep uh-huh. tend to show up more when you're in a, a hypnotized state. Okay. And the higher freque- frequency waves associated with being fully awake and alert um, slow down some. They don't disappear. One doesn't take over and the other one goes away. Right. Like when you're actually in deep sleep. But the the... They're skewed differently than a normal person would have while they're awake. Right. And so they're, they're, Tom also points out, too, that that's not like proof of anything. Right. But it is a nod to like, well, this is actually going on. Um, the same with they studied the cerebral cortex. And uh, hypnotics showed or hypnotic subject showed reduced activity in the left hemisphere and increased in the right. And the left hemisphere is where the logical control center is. Mm-hmm. And the right is where, like, the imagination and creativity is. So that kind of supports the idea as well. Right. But, so, again, not, like, hard proof. Chuck, how do you um, – that's my problem with this. There's no hard proof whatsoever. Right. Um, how, how do you, as far as, again, psychology, psychiatry goes mm-hmm. – and this is in widespread use. Or Vegas hypnosis, shows. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you hypnotize somebody? Well, there's some different ways right. that you can do it. There's the old school way where you like wave the watch in front of someone that you've seen in the movie. Like, yes. That's called uh, field gaze induction or eye fixation. Fixed gaze. Fixed gaze? What did I say? Field gaze? Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. I hypnotized <laughs> you to say that. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Nothing. Uh, so that's um, the idea there is that they're just getting you to focus on something and tune everything out, and then they lull you to sleep with their tone. And that's sort of the old school way, and they don't do it much anymore because apparently it doesn't work that well. Yes, because people say. are too smart. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, the, uh, there's another one called Rapid, which right. I like this one. It's like, Chuck, sleep. Chuck, Chuck, you're hypnotized. Chuck, listen to my voice. You're sleepy. Chuck, focus on me. Chuck. Right. Chuck. What? Yeah. Well, and that's what they do in the Vegas shows, and they, they kind of prey on the fact that you're up on stage, mm-hmm. you're out of your element, and you're nervous, and it, they supposedly that will make you more susceptible uh, to that kind of suggestion. Right. So and that's two. Then, there, Well, there's another one called progressive relaxation and imagery, where someone yeah. might suggest that you're laying in a field. That's the one that was used on me. Or surrounded by bunnies. Right. Where was this? I Okay, I'll go ahead and just tell the story. I went to a hypnotherapist. About f- four times before I didn't go back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, uh, this guy would, it was in his house over there off Monroe in this dude's apartment. And he was sort of creepy and mm-hmm. like the whole situation was a little unnerving. And, uh, but I did want, like, they say one of the things that you have to believe that you can be hypnotized. Yeah. In order to be hypnotized. Yeah. Like you can't go in there as a skeptic probably. And like cross your arms and say, wave your watch. Mm-hmm. But um, I believe that, you know, you could do this because my friend went through the cigarette uh, hypnosis and mm-hmm. it really worked for him. So he had me look at a uh, this huge painting that was on his wall and just like focus on that. And he had this like uh, new age Enya music playing softly and the lights were dim. Wow. And it was a little creepy. And he lulled me with the, to, to with his voice, you know, and all that. And I went three times and... I guess I was looking for a, a hypnosis experience where I didn't 
remember what happened and I was like out of it. Hmm. But from reading this, it's not like you're out of it. You're just in such a relaxated, uh, relaxed, relaxated, <laughs> relaxed state that you can go there or something. And the only success that I will say is for one of the sessions, I got it's sort of like meditation. Right. Have you ever meditated? Yeah, I've tried. There's I've, uh, too much going on up here. Yeah. Well, you probably wouldn't be very good with hypnosis. Plus, I can't get into the lotus position to save my life. <laughs> well, you don't have to. Oh. Um. It's sort of like meditation, though, in that this one time I really, really was lulled into this, like, super relaxed state. We talked about some stuff. And then afterward, I came out of it, and he was like, all right, how do you feel? I was like, I feel really relaxed and good. He said, how much time do you think that took? I was like, I don't know, about 15 minutes? He went, look at your watch. It was an hour and 20 minutes, dude. Wow. And he and went, it, sleep. Yeah, I went, oh. <laughs> write a check. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, he just went through your wallet yeah, while exactly. you were talking. Uh, so it sort of worked, man. I mean, I felt. Did you feel better? Well, yeah, I didn't go back. I think I went back one more time and then went, eh, it's not for me. You went back for that fourth pity visit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I felt bad for the guy. Right. And then I just quit, like, returning calls, basically. Yeah. He's like, please come over. But I, won't, I, will. <laughs> I won't charge you. I haven't seen another person in so long. I know. He kind of gave me that feeling. I hope he doesn't listen to the show. But um, yeah, it freaked <laughs> me out, man. Like the passage of time definitely weirded me out to where I was like, I lost an hour of yeah. somehow. So, you know. Was I'm not saying I believe in it, but it was pretty real. Well, you, I guess we probably, yeah. <laughs> Debunk it. Well, the problem is, is you, you totally nailed the, the, not just why hypnosis isn't necessarily real, but why psychology isn't necessarily real. Chuck, have you heard of the dodo bird effect? No. Dodo bird effect, it was, there was a psychologist in, I think, the 30s, and I can't remember his name, uh-huh. but he figured out, and it's, it's been proven time and time again, uh-huh. that no matter what psychological orientation you're using, whether it's um, Freudian psychoanalysis right. um, or uh, behavioral cognitive behavioralism, whatever, as long as the patient believes that he or she can be healed, uh-huh. believes in the therapist's abilities, mm-hmm. and the therapist believes in that orientation, mm-hmm. there's going to be success. Mind so, is powerful. It is powerful, but the mind of the patient is powerful. Right. Right? What is described by the dodo bird effect, uh-huh. and it's based on um, some part of, I think, uh, through the looking glass or whatever, the dodo bird decrees everyone's a winner. Right. It's the placebo effect. Yeah. That's what hypnosis is. It's a placebo effect. But more specifically, it's a socially or culturally bound placebo effect, like voodoo. Right. Like, remember when we talked about voodoo? Uh-huh. And it's it, there's a well we when we talked about zombies I don't think we touched on it in voodoo, but with zombies it's like if you live in a culture that believes in zombieism mm-hmm. and steps are taken to make you think that you have been afflicted and in, in, in made into a zombie yeah, yeah you're going to act like a zombie most right. likely that's what hypnosis does in my opinion well and. I sort of agree with that, but he also makes a point, too, when I was reading this. I'm glad he made the point at the end, because the whole time I was thinking, like, yeah, but if the end result is the same as hypnosis, isn't that the same? Like, it's kind of splitting hairs, and he makes that point. What's the difference if the placebo cures your ills? Well, the difference is, is, like, if you can tap into the placebo effect, yeah. 
that's what optimal yeah, because yeah. you're letting the body take right. over and take care of itself. Right. The problem is is when you write a check to somebody okay for something that you could have done yourself or there's an entire field of study right like psychology mm-hmm. that entire other fields of study like economics or well let's just go with economics are based on right. the findings of right and those findings aren't right it's all placebo effect uh-huh. then you've got a real problem yeah i guess it's a solid point it is. So I think if we identify the placebo effect, you have to identify it. But the problem is if people know that it is a placebo effect, then it kind of ruins its effectiveness usually. Well, because you got to believe in it going in. Yeah. For sure. Uh, one of the ways they use it is um, habit control treatment. And that's when I was talking about my buddy, uh, Johnny Pindell, who quit smoking. <laughs> success- Why is that funny? What's your buddy's name? John Pindell. John Pindell. I like Johnny Pindell. Johnny Pindell. Yeah, he sounds like he should be wearing like a jean jacket. He might with, like, be. like Def Leppard and black like marker on the back. He might be. And he might be. Oh, you met Johnny. He was uh, the guy in New York, the tall guy in the back of the van with us. Oh, yeah. I like that guy. Jeff I could John. totally see him in a <laughs> jean jacket with Def Leppard on the back. He... uh he went through the cigarette program, and a lot of times it's like overeating or smoking, and they'll basically what they'll do is hypnotize you and reprogram your subconscious to like you'll, you're going to feel nauseous every time you smoke a cigarette. Right. And it, you know, this, with varying degrees of success, it's worked. Yes. On some people. Yeah. Including John. I think he smokes now, but that but was see, years ago. Again, though, I mean, did it really work? It worked did, for a little while, well, yeah. If but he did it work it. because he believed it? There, it's not just that though. I mean, um, a lot of cancer patients uh-huh. apparently undergo hypnosis to get through uh, chemotherapy or to try and heal, right? Period. And a lot of people swear by that. Um, same with childbirth, right? Um, then there's some where you're getting in some areas where it's like, no, no. If this is a placebo effect phenomenon right like we shouldn't be using this at all like, like forensic, forensic yeah for sure yeah because we talked about implanting false memories there's a likelihood of that yeah what they'll do in forensic is they'll uh they'll get someone who has like a suppressed memory of like a, an awful crime and they'll hypnotize them to bring out these like details of the crime scene sure. but that's really controversial right when it's used at all um there's also um Oh, wasn't there another one, Chuck? Well, just regular psychotherapy. If you have like phobias or uh, fears, you know, subconscious right. fears, which is much like the habit control hypnotic treatment, except it's more usually more um, guided toward things like phobias rather than quitting smoking. Right. But it uses a lot of the same tricks. Like rather than you'll be nauseous the next time you get afraid of flying. Right. It'll be. It, it would. It would. I guess kind of instill in you self confidence or something like that. Like sure. you are. You don't need to be afraid of this plane wreck. Yeah. You, you'll. It'll be over eventually. This is going to be a uh, email generator. I think. Yeah. I think uh, we'll get both sides of the coin on this. A lot of people are going to say, "No, dude, I was hypnotized and it was real," or "I went and saw that Vegas show and you don't know anything. It was hysterical." <laughs> right. Or I think it's bunk and I'm a, I'm a skeptic. Right. I think skeptics, you're kind of wired that way. You're either a skeptic or you're more inclined to believe things. I changed. I've done a complete 180. I was thinking the other day how much, how surprised I am at what a skeptic I've become. Did you used to I believe? I used to love everything that, like, without thinking. Uh-huh. Like, I, I used to think Genghis Khan killed, like, 1.8 million people in an hour. <laughs> I thought it because it was awesome. It was an awesome yeah, thing to think. Sure. And now today, I was reading. It was actually today. I was reading this hypnosis article, mm-hmm. and I was like, this is bunk. 
Like I can barely make it through this article. Really? Yeah, and and I I realize just like how much I've changed in that respect. I think you get older and uh, you get a little more cynical and yes, less prone to buy into stuff. Do you want to hear any more? Um, there's there's like a whole slew of cultural cultural bound culture bound mental illnesses. Really? That are like if you live in a culture that accepts this as fact. There's one that I'll, I just want to tell you one. Uh-huh. But if you're ever interested, you should go check out culture bound mental illnesses there's lots of sites that have lists and descriptions of them but there's one called koro and it afflicts malaysians possibly indians there's what like there's large populations that believe in this that under certain circumstances like after you've had sex with a prostitute or engaged in masturbation if you're feeling particularly guilty about this you may suffer from koro mm-hmm. and koro is the belief that your genitalia male and female are shrinking into your body really it can also happen from eating unclean food or whatever so the idea is that if people really believe this then it will happen, or they just believe it's happening, and so that's what matters. They believe it's happening, and that's what matters. This is why it's classified as a mental illness, because it doesn't actually happen, okay. but they'll take steps to prevent it from happening, like putting hooks into their breasts to pull them back out, right. tearing off their son's penises to keep wow. them from keep it from spreading. Holy cow. Yeah. So, But that's culturally bound. Like If you did that in the U.S., everybody would be like, you're absolutely nuts. Right. You do it there, it's like, oh, you have Coro. Yeah. I think that's what hypnosis is. It gives you, in the United States, Uh carte blanche to act in ways that you would be embarrassed by normally because you're hypnotized so the rest of us aren't judging you. Interesting. I don't think that makes you a skeptic. Thanks. Thanks, man. Because I I started to hate that little rotten part in me, the skeptic. So uh, if you want to learn more about hypnosis or find out the fate of Chuck based on the fixed gaze induction that he underwent. And my super creepy hypnotherapist. Yeah, that time. Uh, You can type in hypnosis, H-Y-P-N-O-S-I-S in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. Just a plain old vanilla search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And um, I understand it's, well, let's just do the listener mail thing. Or do we have a plug fest thing? No, listener mail. This is a special announcement time. This is a plug fest. It is plug fest. Uh, in October, in mid-October in Atlanta, Georgia, we're going to have a couple of things going on. One is an officially sanctioned trivia night <laughs> at uh, the Five Seasons Brewery Westside. You can look yeah. it up on the internet. It's Wait, got a great scene. What is it on? Is it on Marietta or Howell Mill? Uh, it's on Marietta, I believe. Okay. But, um... Look it up. It's easy to find. Sort of near Georgia Tech. It's right by where Howell Mill and Marietta come together, I think, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. So they uh, have a cool scene there on the roof, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to have our all-star trivia. We have got some celebrity guests booked. Mm-hmm. We have Mr. John Hodgman of The Daily Show. Yeah. Um, and author and actor John Hodgman. Yes, who I am sure, I would say 140% of our audience is a huge fan of. Yeah, don't call him the PC guy. No. I've actually had to stop myself the last two guys, times. <laughs> actually, he's he's very cool about that. He's very thankful for that job. So yeah. it's not like he's like, don't call me that. Yeah, I don't ever want to discuss that again. Right. Those, that's our Hodgman impression. <laughs> Sounds nothing like him. Uh, we have the guy who used to play um, Bo Duke in the classic 70s TV show, The Dukes of Hazard, Mr. Joe Randazzo. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be joining <laughs> us. Now he is the editor-in-chief of The Onion since yeah. he quit The Dukes of Hazard. Got to get work somewhere. He uh, America's finest news source. Joe is coming down from New York uh, with John. I wonder if they were going to ride down on the same plane. That'd, That'd be, be nice. so cute. Uh, and Dave Willis, local uh, legend. 
legend from Adult Swim on the Cartoon Network. Dave was a co-creator of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. And Squidbillies. And the awesome Squidbillies. Have you seen Squidbillies? I have, yeah. It's so great. And uh, we landed Dave, and we're like super, super psyched that he's going to be here for this. So what we're saying is you can come to Five Seasons Brewery in Atlanta, no matter where you are. On October 13th, which is a Wednesday, it's a work night, but just take the next day off. Trivia is always will be worth night. it. To play us, Hodgman, Randazzo, Willis, and possibly a couple others in trivia yeah. for free. Just come. You buy your own drinks or whatever. And apparently, have you seen the menu at this place? Oh, it's good. Awesome. That's where I had the cow cheek. Uh, cheeks are the tastiest part of any animal. I buddy. didn't care for it. Really? Nah, it makes me sad. I didn't like it. We'll get you some sweet bread sometime. <laughs> but you can come and hang out with these guys. and Yeah, uh, they're all very approachable. Yeah. And we'll just play us in trivia, see what you got. Bring your books, uh, your John Hodgman books. He's got a couple of books out that uh, I'm sure he'd be happy to sign. Uh, probably. We'll he's find out one like, way or the other. He'll I'm be not like, signing Please don't do that again. <laughs> uh, if you have an email about our trivia event, you no, want to say we, hi? Yeah, we have the other uh, event, too, the non-sanctioned event, though. Oh, yeah, go ahead. The night before trivia, Tuesday, October 12th, mm-hmm. our buddies, the Henry Clay people, are in town. Yeah, at just Drunken Uni, right? By chance, they are in town uh, doing a headlining show this time, which is awesome. Yeah. At the Drunken Unicorn on uh, uh, Ponce de Leon Avenue. And I imagine it'll be sort of a late show. It's one of those kind of clubs. But you're going to be there, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Josh and Yumi will be there, and Emily and I will be there, and Jerry, we're going to make you come even if you don't want to. Yeah. And uh, I think hopefully Joe's going to be in town and go with us. Yeah, we'll see. The day before. Yeah. And we asked John if he would be there, too, so we'll see. And, um, yeah, if you're not familiar with the Henry Clay people, they had a song on Gossip Girl. Did you know that? Oh, really? Yeah. No, good for them. can't remember what it's called, but it's big time. Make a little coin? Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Uh, probably not. <laughs> I'm sure their their label is just like, yeah, here's some tires for your road trip. So that is a non-sanctioned, <laughs> non-official event, but we want to encourage people to come out to that show, hang out with us, hang out with the band, give uh, Jordan, the keyboard player, some grief for having Lyme disease. Yeah, he picked it up at Chuck's house. Remember? Yeah, it'd be a good time. We want to pack it out for those guys. Uh, it won't be hard. Drunken Unicorn holds like 50 people. So, yeah, you're right. So, again, Chuck said that was a non-sanctioned event. I guess marketing was all over him for that one. Nah, just, I don't just being, you just COA? COA, buddy. Thanks, man. Uh, if you want to send us an email about our Atlanta event, you got any questions, anything like that, you can um, post it on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You could ask me on Twitter, ask us. We tweet at SYSK Podcast. And you can also email us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the howstuffworks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?